Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. Every week, we discuss issues including disability and gender. This week, Cynthia Chavez Lamar began her tenure as the director of the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian. She'll lead the museum's three locations on the National Mall in Washington, in Suitland, Maryland, and in Lower Manhattan. A member of the San Felipe Pueblo in New Mexico, Chavez Lamar is the first Native American woman to head a Smithsonian museum. We began by asking what that means for her and the facility. That conversation after this short break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. You know, I've given a lot of thought to that. I've answered it in uh, a, a couple of different ways. And one of the one of the things that's really important for me is to always acknowledge the fact that, you know, there have been other Native and Indigenous people, um, particularly women in prominent positions um, throughout history. And a recent note, you know, I do want to acknowledge, you know, Secretary Deb Holland, um, and also the um, recently appointed chair of the National Endowment for the Humanities, Shelley Lowe. Um, you know, I feel like um, I'm coming in at a time where I'm in good company, which is which is very nice. Um, and, you know, I think that um, the museum itself was probably ready for an Indigenous woman to, to lead the museum. Um, so, you know, of course, I've gotten a lot of um, welcoming support from a number of different people uh, across the U.S. and even internationally, um, just expressing, you know, their their support and their and to some extent, their happiness that there is an Indigenous woman in this position. I wonder what you mean by the museum was probably ready for an Indigenous woman in this position. Well, the two prior directors were both a male. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I moved to D.C. right after the museum opened. I'm curious about what is your vision for this evolving institution? Because I remember when it opened, there were a lot of people that were not pleased and were very critical about the museum and the collections there. Yeah. And, and that, that time, the early 2000s, I was actually at the museum and I worked on one of the inaugural exhibitions. So, you know, my experience um, being a curator at the time uh, was, was very fulfilling, very exciting. And I was, I was, I was, you know, extremely happy with what the museum had accomplished and the reason for that was um, you know, we, as curators, had collaborated uh, with uh, 24 indigenous communities from across the Western Hemisphere. 
And, um, you know, at that time in the early 2000s, that was pretty unheard of for a museum to do that kind of collaboration at that scale. You know, since that time, I've been terribly invested in collaboration and partnership with Indigenous peoples and communities, and I've carried that through my my work practice since I left NMAI in the 2000s. Um, you know, that's continued to be um, part of the heart of the museum, and um, leaving in the early 2000s and coming back in 2014, you know, I did notice a difference in terms of uh, what the museum was focusing on. I guess one of the things I was thinking early in the museum, and I haven't been there since COVID, I remember people going through and going, there wasn't a, a story, right, for them to follow mm-hmm. the, the way uh, the African-American Museum does it, the way Air and Space does it. I, I wonder if you think that it is easier for visitors coming in now to go, okay, we're going to start at point A and follow this path over to here or start at point B and follow this path over to here. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think that the <clears throat> the museum was ever in a range in a way to be linear in terms of a, a path of history to follow. Um, you know, when you look at the museum and its, and its focus, um, we're tasked with, um, you know, working with and representing indigenous peoples of the Western hemisphere. You know, so those histories are incredibly um, diverse. <laughs> and so to sort of, you know, figure out a linear path of history for visitors to follow, I think is always going to be a challenge. Um, but I think that that was something that was probably uh, in the early 2000s in particular, I think difficult for visitors sort of to wrap their, their minds around. And I think also considering the museum's name, you know, I think we, 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 we have experienced that confusion for some people because we're the National Museum of the American Indian. Right. So there's always this, this um, sense that we focus on, you know, indigenous peoples of the United States, um, when in fact, no, we're, we, you know, focus on indigenous peoples of the Western Hemisphere. There have been, I mean, we live in Washington, D.C., and I covered the whole controversy of the Washington football team, football team and its mascot issues, as well as some of the others. And I know that your predecessor had a lot of things to say about that. So I wonder if you think that the museum now has a voice in the ongoing prejudice against Native, not only Native Americans, but indigenous people in general. Oh, I mean, definitely. And, you know, I think that the museum itself, I mean, because of our, our reputation and, you know, our, our, our recognition, you know, worldwide, um, just being part of the Smithsonian, we really have an opportunity to serve as a means to highlight and, and, and share indigenous perspectives and interpretations about some of these, some of these issues. So, you know, I'm really looking to, to, for the museum to be a resource to, you know, indigenous peoples, communities, organizations, um, to to begin to highlight, you know, these diverse perspectives and interpretations about some of these issues. That's interesting that you say that because, as you just said, this is not just one group of people, right? This is many voices. So how do you distill that in, in a way that the public can follow or, or even the indigenous peoples that you are speaking of to listen to their different perspectives? Well, I, I want to highlight one particular project that I think is been pretty successful at that. 
Um, the, it's an online exhibition. Uh, it's called Developing Stories. Um, and it's they're basically photo essays by Native photo journalists. And, you know, they're dealing, dealing with, you know, different issues that of particular interest and importance to those photojournalists. So, for example, one is from a Diné photojournalist um, covering COVID and its effects um, among the Navajo, the, in the Navajo Nation and among Diné people. Uh, you know, I think that that's certainly one way to sort of share, you know, a certain very specific perspective uh, on one, you know, from the from the perspective of one nation. And then also um, there's another photo essay in there that's focused on the issue of blood quantum and how the fact that, you know, as indigenous people, we intermarry. <laughs> and, you know, in particular in the United States, that can have a definite impact on the future of any offspring we have in terms of, you know, their connections to community uh, via enrollment. So, um, you know, I think that I, I don't, I wouldn't want the museum to see it as, uh, uh, see, be the point to, of, of, um, to share like a monolith perspective and say that this is the museum's stance on blood quantum and tribal enrollment. You know, I see the museum as a place where we share those varying perspectives from indigenous peoples and communities themselves. You mean all indigenous people don't think the same thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that we would like them to sometimes, but (laughs) it hasn't been my experience. (laughs) Of course, I was kidding. Um, Yeah. Got a question for you, though. I, I have also done a, a fair number of pieces this year on climate change and how many indigenous communities are at risk from Alaska all the way down the East Coast to, you know, other places that, you know, basically the ocean is going to swallow them up or already is doing so. Is What is the museum doing to educate people about that or, or is that part of what the museum does? And that's something that should be part of the, what the museum does. Um, you know, looking ahead, of course, you know, we'll look at issues around environmental justice. Um, I know that um, um, you know, within the, the Smithsonian itself, that's of real interest. Um, we do have, you know, our, our Living Earth Festival that comes up every spring, you know, where we do focus on these particular issues around our, um, in our public programs. Um, but I know that, um, you know, among and with our curators, there is an there is interest in looking at, you know, uh, climate change and environmental sustainability, um, um, focusing on particular indigenous communities. I know there's been some discussion in the museum community I'm, from the Smithsonian and beyond about the role of museums as people are reimagining history and looking back on our history, everything from the removal of monuments and statues to, you know, basically rewriting actual lies that were told. Do you think that your museum has an activist role in helping people understand the history of indigenous people or are you more of here's what's happening with these, with these various people and here's what you should know about them. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, any museum is a place where you can find information that can help inform your, your, your points of views or your, your um, perspectives on, on, on different things. And I, I, I do feel that given the fact that there is a diversity of opinion 
interpretations and perspectives among Indigenous people that it's really hard for the museum to, to come out strong on any particular issue. Um, because, you know, just based on my own experience and my own family, you know, there's things that we disagree on. <laughs> and, you know, I want the museum to be seen as a place that is inclusive of, you know, um, um, and realistic about the fact that Indigenous people don't all think the same, you know, um, and that we, 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 you know, we have very specific opinions and perspectives based on our lived experiences and based on our family beliefs and cultural beliefs and etc. That's Cynthia Chavez-Lamar, the new director of the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come on back for more and listen up. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.